I don't know, maybe you washed your face and you took a little bit of an extra time and, you know, you applied some cream and that made you feel good that day. And that's your bit of self-confidence that you're carrying through the day. Or maybe you washed your hair and you know, and, and you're like, wow, like I just feel good. Or maybe you made yourself a really healthy meal or just anything, you know, finding, finding those little moments of confidence so you can feel good about yourself and then going and trying and doing things that you can be proud of yourself for and then sticking with them so you can see the progress. You're listening to Detox Wellness, a place where we demystify all things health, nutrition, and fitness. I'm your host, Deanna Bulberman, registered holistic nutritionist, fitness and lifestyle coach, and relevant to this episode, ex-competitive dancer and intuitive movement junkie. I talked to Brittany Bree today, and if you don't follow her already, go check out Brit Bree Movement on Instagram. She's awesome. She shows that movement can be an everything and anything that we do, it should be an enjoyable thing, something fun, something empowering, something to boost your confidence. So with all of those things just being said, that is exactly what we talk about today. Movement, Pilates, confidence, um, heels class, how she got into all of that, being an entrepreneur. It's a great episode and I hope that you enjoy. Hello. Aloha. How's it going? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. Can you introduce a little bit of who you are, what you do, all that jazz? Yeah. I love this question because I feel like it's different every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like it's different every every day I wake up. But um, I'm Brittany Bree and I'm a dancer first, I would say. And it's funny because we always identify identify with like one thing, right? And then as we get older, we start to add lots of different things. But yeah, who am I? I'm I'm just a regular old girl, you know? Um <laughs> I teach Pilates, I teach dance, and um I love to inspire. I love to help and I love to motivate women to find their confidence. That's basically, that's basically what I'm about. Mm -hmm. Nice. I love that. I like that you didn't just include your jobs. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And what got you into dancing? Cause that was what you did growing up, right? And you just continued it onwards. Yeah. I I started dancing, I think when I was five or maybe it was three. I don't know. To be honest, Mm -hmm. I don't really remember those ages very well. Um, but I did, I I started dancing when I was younger. I was never really the best dancer in my class. And it's funny because when you compare the younger girls who dance now to sort of when I was younger back in the day, like, oh my God, their, their skill level is so good. Like they're just so talented. Um, and I'm like this little girl just trying to keep up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I started... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I started dancing when I was younger and then I guess I just kept on going throughout university and then or sorry, throughout high school and then when it was time to come to university 
to be honest, I don't even really remember trying to pick something else. It was just always dance. I found out that I could go to school for dance and get a degree, a Bachelor of Fine Arts. So I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts from York. I applied to George Brown and Ryerson, and I really didn't have too much ballet technique like at all. Um, I just loved movement and had a lot of passion. So I ended up getting into York University, which is um, more, more based on contemporary And so I did that for four years and just kind of kept going. I'm bigger into the heels dance movement now. And that was never really a thing. Well, obviously when I was growing up, that would have kind of been weird, right? (laughs) Yeah. But after university, heels dance started to get super popular and just, just this sense of, of owning who you are and owning your body and just moving so unapologetically. And I was like, that's, that's for me. I want to do this. So I joined uh, Army of SAS. It's not around anymore, but wonderful mentor, uh, Carla Catherwood, who I'm, I love her. She moved from Vancouver to Toronto. And long story short, she created Army of SAS. And I started dancing there. And then she opened up a couple different locations. Um, and yeah, I, I, taught in new at the new market location for about four years. I think it's been around Well, I'm still teaching there now. It's not called army of SAS anymore, but we're still going strong. Yeah. Okay. You just made me so scared. I was like, it's done. So it what happened? Yeah. So it's done. It just, it just kind of, I mean, the pandemic sort of happened and I think, um, you know, like people ebb and flow through their business and Carla had a fantastic run with army of SAS and, Um, she built it up. It was amazing. We did so many different performances. We went to a summit in Vegas, like it was beautiful. And then the pandemic hit. And then I think people just, you know, studios starting started to close and it was just really hard to maintain. And instead of Carla, just keep pushing along. I think she kind of felt, you know, we're kind of coming to an end Mm -hmm. and she just sort of left her legacy, like as, as what it was. And it was a beautiful ending. And now some of the, some of the women who owned their army of SAS licensee program, they just changed the name and they called it something else because they still wanted to have a community for these women to dance in and to be themselves in. Yeah, for sure. I did do, I think it was army of SAS. Was there an army of SAS in London or was it, mm-hmm. it was a different brand? Yep. Sarah yeah, Gossel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she did one or two of those. It was so fun. I loved it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was like, they're they're gone. What? I want to do it again. This is just going to make me want to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I know. I did your one online one too. That was so funny. Remember when at the beginning and you like kept cutting out, wasn't it Instagram? And you're like, okay, let's try again 12 times later. Okay, that was when, yes, that was when all of this pandemic stuff first happened and everyone was freaking out and doing, (laughs) doing lives, teaching dance lives on Instagram live was a thing, Yeah, but you're not allowed to play music because of copyright issues. So it was really challenging to just try to keep yourself afloat. And yes, I did teach a live (laughs) and I ended up getting kicked out probably nine times and I was persistent and just kept going back in on live and people (laughs) join again. And 
I think we got the job done. <laughs> it was so funny because that happened to me all the time on Facebook. It would like we did what it, like Facebook Live or something workouts when it first started. Like I didn't even know what Zoom was, and I would record with music in the background. Then they couldn't post it on the Facebook group, and I'm like, well, I'm not. I can't redo the whole thing. Like I was doing the workout. It was like insane. Yeah, it's challenging. There's a lot of rules around it. Like I said, a lot of learning has happened over oh. the past year. For sure. And yeah, like even posting, like how do you post your dances on Instagram with music now? Like that's even a thing you had to learn. Yeah. To be honest, I I use an app called InShot and then I'll upload Mm. the video into InShot and then I'll just increase the speed a little bit. Um, Yeah. And that, that usually, that usually helps. Um, Or if you have a whole bunch of cheering in the background, which I mean, doesn't really happen because nobody can be in a class right now. But usually if you're filming a video and you've got a whole bunch of women cheering in the background, then their cheering kind of muffles out the song. And I guess the internet can't recognize it for being that full song. Fun facts. I like that. Tricks of the train. Just have my sister come cheer for me in the background. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Okay. So then what got you into Pilates then? Ooh, Pilates. Such a good question because I was always a dance girl. I thought I was, I thought I was going to grow up, be a dancer, dance all day. But I mean, no, (laughs) (laughs) there's so much that goes into that. I remember when I, after university and I was living in Toronto and I was like, all right, let's do this audition thing. You know, what do you want to do, Britt? I want to be in music videos. I want to dance on cruise ships. You know, like I want to do all of the commercial dance things. And what I realized very quickly was that the whole lifestyle just wasn't for me. And when I say lifestyle, I don't necessarily mean going to auditions and showing up and sort of dancing in front of people and, you know, preparing and training. I mean, just the whole sort of mindset around it was not really for me. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of self doubt that goes on sometimes and yeah, you need to strengthen your mind for it. Absolutely. But I just, I just felt like I wasn't able to build a career in it and it was more of a passion. And so what I realized when I started to, to teach dance was that I actually enjoy teaching more than I do dancing. And that sounds so weird, me saying it out loud, because I love dancing. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, but I think as, as, as a career, I enjoy teaching much, much more. So I, um, I don't even know the year this was, but I had a boyfriend and he moved to Australia to go to law school. And so we did a year apart um, long distance. And then he was like, you know what, Britt, why don't you come over here? And I was like, yeah, you know what? I should, like I was done university. I had nothing tying me down or sort of holding me back there. So I saved up. I worked multiple serving jobs, multiple dancing gigs, you know, till three o'clock in the morning. I did it all (laughs) and all of it. And then I saved up and I moved to Australia and I was there for two years. I was there in Sydney and best experience of my life. If you can go to Australia, go to Australia. Best experience of my life. And while I was there, I was pretty damn lonely. And I remember before I left, I 
I basically threw out all of my dance clothes and I got rid of my dance heels and I just got rid of everything. And I thought, you know what? I'm too old for this. And this is probably not something that I'm going to do when I come back. It's probably not something that I'm going to do in Australia. And I moved to Australia and I feel like I had a bit of an identity crisis, to be honest. I was like, who am I? Because I was always known as Brittany Brew the dancer, you know, like that's, that's what I would do. I would dance. So I moved to Australia and I participated in so many group fitness classes at the gym that I was at. And first of all, that brought me so much community and I needed it because I didn't know anyone there. And there was this one man. Oh my God. I wish I could could remember his name, but you know those Les Mills classes and they yes. do body pump and yeah, I can't remember it's all of them. It's huge in Australia. It like is massive. so big in Australia. And yeah, Les Mills and he has all of these branded classes and the music is popping and it's so much fun and everyone goes and lots of energy. And I was like, hey, this is my thing. And the class that stood out to me, me most was the one that combined Pilates dance technique, um, Tai Chi, believe it or not, (laughs) yoga, and kind of meditation. And I was like, this is so, this is so calming, but also strength-based. And it was just a really well-rounded class of all things that I liked, Mm -hmm. you know, all things that I liked. So he taught a lot of Pilates movements and I started to research Pilates. And I was like, you know what, when I go back from Australia, I'm getting my Pilates certification. And I didn't even really know what it was, but I, I had recognized the movements because I took dance in university for four years. And I recognized a lot of the movements as dance conditioning training, you know, like rehabilitative exercises um, is a lot of what Pilates is as well. Moving from the core, being intentional with your movement, stability, mobility, And I just fell in love with it. Yeah. So I came back. I got my Matt Pilates certification. I got my reformer certification. I worked at a couple small gyms. And then I really started to flourish when I worked at this all women's gym in my hometown. And um, yeah, I was there for four years. And then it it just kind of felt like it was time to leave. And now... Now I do my own thing. Now yeah. I do my own glasses. Nice. That's mm. awesome. You have a very similar story to me. Um, Why? Yeah, I went to, well, not because I wasn't with a boyfriend or anything, but I finished university. I took a few months to save up. I did like serving whatever job I could. I went to Australia for a year. Wow. <laughs> I decided I wanted to do nutrition and I got my CrossFit certification there. And then, yes. so, so like cool. I did all that, but it is, it is completely lonely, but like in a good way that you need to be alone. <laughs> like it really makes you decide what you want to do and who you are for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I just, the relationship that I was in, I realized that I really didn't like it as much as I thought I did. Like it didn't serve me as much. And so I did spend a lot of time alone and in my thoughts and in my movement really. And being in Australia and just having the water and having the beach, you know, you feel things, you feel so many things and you question what's going on. And it was just such a good time. I think when I was, when I was kind of going through that, that stage of, okay, I'm not dancing anymore who am I and who am I in this new country and who do I want to be? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. That yeah, that identity crisis happens to I think most people after schooling in general. It's just like I've done every day up to now. I knew what I was doing, and now it's like you can be anything. But what the hell? How do I start? It's well, crazy. I feel like that's I feel like that's something that everybody experiences. Yeah, when they do leave university or college, or you get a diploma, you know, and then so you've just been mentored in school, and then you go out into the real world. And you kind of look around and you're like, okay, cool. I have all the knowledge, but you have no experience. Mm -hmm. And you're basically starting from the beginning again. And honestly, being a beginner is, is something that being a beginner is so special. And we talk about this a lot. Um, I work with a network marketing company and I sell vegan hair care products. And we talk about this a lot on our team calls the magic of being a beginner and how everyone gets so kind of in their head and scared and nervous about things. But really like that's when you kind of shine because that's when you learn. And that's when, that's when you're your most sort of honest and raw and authentic because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. this is <laughs> And true. you have to learn and you either, you know, go with it or you don't, you move forwards or you stop. Yeah, for sure. So when you started your business, you left the Pilates studio. Um, how did that all start? Did you start by like setting up your studio in your house? Because you used to have people come in, right? Before. Yeah. So when I left the when I left the gym that I was working at, it was because I wanted to invite more pre and postnatal Pilates and that gym didn't offer it, you know, and it was just time mm-hmm. to kind of move on. So I teamed up with a, another sort of clinic that offers um, like a whole wellness hub for prenatal, postnatal care. And so that was fantastic. So I taught my pre and postnatal classes out of that studio. So I had that connection because I still like to be in a studio and sort of meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I became a licensee with Nikki Bergen, also one of my favorite mentors. She runs the bump method and the bump method is classes for prenatal and postnatal. So I started with that and then I thought, okay, where am I going to teach Matt Pilates? And I thought, you know what, Britt, set a time, rent out a studio, see who shows up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did. And to my surprise, I don't know why I doubted myself, but to my surprise, I started running classes in Keswick because I felt more comfortable. That was my hometown. I posted up a 6.30 class. That one filled. I posted up a 7.30 class. I was like, cool, I'll open up another class. And that one filled. And I just kind of started. I just tried. I, I just tried. I put out a time. I talked about it. I promoted myself. I was my own cheerleader. Because <laughs> if you don't talk about your own shit, nobody comes to it because nobody knows, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And that's how it happened. And then I was successful in Keswick. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to... I'm going to do this in Newmarket as well. I'm going to open this up. And so I chatted with a dance studio owner and I started renting their studio and and that's just kind of how it worked. And throughout that time, I also, um, my husband and I, we, we rent a house and we, um, got out of our one contract and moved into another place and there were spaces for two reformers. And so I bought two reformers and I, 
I just started it. I just tried, you know, one thing became another. And I was like, what do you want to be doing during the day? I want to be teaching. I want to be doing this. Okay. So what are the steps? How do you do it? Let's go. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So what's the difference between Matt Pilates and reformer Pilates for people who don't know what that means? Yeah. Good question. So Matt Pilates is literally done on a mat. Pilates is, is the sort of name of the exercise or of the movement we'll say. And mat just in front of it is you do it on a mat. So you can think of it as almost kind of like a yoga class, right? Because people are more familiar with yoga classes. The reformer is a Pilates machine. Yeah. So Joseph Pilates created, um, this Pilates movement and he actually rehabilitated uh, people or soldiers rather who were in the war by creating um, this sort of rehabilitation device using an old metal bed frame and these metal springs. And so he, he, he evolved that and the reformer has, it works off of spring tension. So you can add a certain amount of springs to create more tension. And then when you remove the springs, it's less, it's less tension. So depending on what movement you're doing and depending on um, just how you're on the machine, it's got pulleys for your arms. It's got straps for your feet. So you can work through your range of motion. It's really beautiful. So the reformer is a reformer machine. You are moving your body on and around that machine. And then Matt Pilates is you are on a mat <laughs> and most of the time using, uh, using Pilates props. Pilates uses lots of props like TheraBands, mm-hmm. booty bands. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get yeah. some props so I can do your class. I was like, mm-hmm. I wanted to do it. I'm like, I have none of these things. Like the lightest way to have is 10 pounds and you cannot yeah. do Pilates with 10 pounds. Honestly? Honestly, Deanna, the nicest thing about teaching from home and then just sort of starting up my classes online over over this pandemic has just been, I've just sort of made it work for people. So if I say, okay, you need two to three pound weights, go and grab a can of soup, Yeah, <laughs> you know, go and grab some peas or some carrots. And if I say, okay, you need a booty loop band, right? Go and grab a sports bra, throw it around your knees. <laughs> true. You do that. It's so true. Yeah. It's like, we can do anything or you can do all these movements without it, but they just add, they just add more work, right? They add more tension. Yeah. At the beginning I was doing like, workouts with like bags of potatoes cans of soup like literally everything was so funny I wish I could go back and I could go back and watch them but I don't think I want to actually awesome I remember my husband he filled up like a bag with something else and I was like what is this for (laughs) it's like it's for a workout yeah and he bags of rocks and books and stuff people were using (laughs) just everything you know oh um a good one was like laundry detergent to use mm-hmm. as like a bell bell. Yeah, exactly. So what got you into pre and postnatal? What was the drive for that? Ooh. So I was working very closely with Nikki Bergen, who I mentioned, mm-hmm. and she has built up a Pilates program called the Bell Method. And I really enjoyed her classes because they were focused... Well, first of all, she's a dancer and I met her through the dance world and I just really jived with her movement and how she taught. She taught almost as if she was teaching a dance class. And that was 
kind of naturally how I felt comfortable teaching anyways, because I had started teaching dance. Mm -hmm. So I really got close to, to her and her movement. And what I started, well, first of all, what I started to realize was, okay, I have a couple of pregnant women coming into my class and I literally don't know what to do with them. You know, because when you haven't experienced that, you're kind of like, okay, I feel like this is a, yeah, yeah, like this is something new to me. So I just want to make sure that she's safe. And Nikki had created the bump method. And um, just, I just realized that when you dive into the explanation of the core and your abdominal muscles, and from going to university and exploring, um, anatomy and dance injury prevention. There is just so much more than just teaching the movement. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the anatomy, there's your like internal, internal sort of work that's happening as you're moving your body. And so I started to really learn about breath work and going through dance in university for four years. I didn't realize it, but holy hell, did I hold my breath. I held my breath when I was standing because I was just trying to, and to be honest, I don't even know if it was like, Oh, I'm just trying to hold my stomach in. So I look good. Or if it was, that was just kind of my, my habit or my natural thing that I did. And I'm doing it right now. So I'm reminding myself to let my belly go. So I started to notice that I was breathing really shallow And this was connected to my core. And then I just started to learn a little bit more and learned that your core is not just your front six pack abdominal muscles. It is this three dimensional sort of, um, what am I trying to say? Canister, like this three dimensional canister and your diaphragm and your pelvic floor muscles and your multifidus and your transverse abdominals everything works together. And it just started to make so much sense. And I was experiencing all of this pain and almost anxiety in my body. And I didn't know what it was, but the more I learned about it, I was like, wow, this has so much to do with breath. And I am, I'm hurting myself and putting myself in pain because I'm not breathing properly. And when I teach, and then I learned that that has a lot to do um, when you're pregnant, right? Because I was experiencing a lot of constipation and that's intra-abdominal pressure. And just, I had so much back pain and that had to do with my pelvic floor. And so the more I kind of learned about my body, um, I realized that this, these are a lot of things that are happening to pregnant women as well. And so it just all connected through my own experiences and then through learning and researching and having a mentor that is so invested in women's health around prenatal and postnatal. Yeah. And women's health is not talked about enough mm-hmm. in general. Like I didn't know what my pelvic floor muscles were before. <laughs> right. It, oh, we're going to pause. You can, can you hear my dog barking? It's really loud. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, I didn't know about my pelvic floor until like a couple of years ago. And I was also a dancer growing up. So I think that the need to like always like pull your belly and like stand up tall is just like, it's just constantly told to us. I didn't know that when you breathe in, your stomach expands. Like I thought it was the opposite until I went to a yoga class. I'm like, 
I don't know how to breathe like this. How come when I inhale, I think my stomach goes in and I exhale, my stomach goes out, but that's the opposite. So for however many years of my life till university, like 18 years, I was breathing the wrong way. It's so true. And this is what happens because when you watch babies breathe, as they inhale, their rib cage expands and their belly expands. And then as they exhale, that just kind of draws in, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we all start breathing correctly, but then life happens and posture happens and we develop these different habits and stress and lifestyle and we get out of it. And we, yeah, society tells us that we need to look a certain way. So I had so much back pain because I would lift my chest Mm -hmm. up and try to stand up nice and proud, you know, and, and reach my chest out. And what I didn't realize was my back muscles were constantly on. And then I was hugging in my stomach, which was so challenging all day. Like it's, it's, it's almost like wearing a corset all day. Mm -hmm. That's that's literally what I was doing to myself. And then I was having these shallow breaths and I wasn't breathing and expanding into my rib cage. I was only breathing from my shoulders and just, it was, I, (laughs) it's actually crazy to think about it, but it's almost like I should have just wrapped something around my torso, like really tight. And that's how I was making my body every day. Yeah. That's and so the most important thing that I learned about all of that is just to release and let go and breathe. And (laughs) that's the hardest one to do. Yeah. I think a lot of us need to hear that. Like, just let your belly be soft. It doesn't need to always be like squeezing and sucking in and all that crap that we're told to do. It's It's so true because it actually causes a lot of problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when you started doing heels dance class, can you talk about what happened with, yeah, we're going to go back, back to heels again, we'll go back and forth. Yeah. Um, what happened with your confidence and the people in classes confidence? Oh my God. This is such a big topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People don't believe in themselves. That's what I've realized from working with women. They don't believe in yourselves, in in their self. And it's almost like you need to lend them your confidence for that hour. Mm -hmm. And you need to just be there and hold space for them because there, I mean, there's so many different walks of walks of life and experiences. And like you never know what what that woman was doing an hour before this dance class or, you know, how her week was or just her past experiences and, and how that, how that sort of formed her, her mindset around showing up in a group of women, like maybe women weren't really nice to that person. And so now she's coming into a group where everyone is just cheering for her and who knows, maybe that feels like really foreign, but the support that my dancers get from each other and then the support that they build for themselves from them, from themselves that they sort of develop is, is just so special to watch. And we'll see it because usually we'll run eight to 10 week programs and week one people kind of come in, you know, mm-hmm. a little shy, um, never danced in heels before. I mean, I usually teach an intermediate class, but I've definitely taught beginner classes. So 
if we're speaking to a very beginner class, they come in, not really sure, you know, maybe I'll dance in running shoes. Maybe I'll try the heels out. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually come in a big baggy t-shirt to kind of hide their body because they're not really sure what to expect. And then slowly you start to see them unfold and maybe they, maybe they wear a pop of color and, you know, maybe they put on a lipstick or something for class and they just start to feel good about themselves. And that is so rewarding for themselves, but also for me as a teacher, because I'm not really doing much, to be honest, I'm teaching them movement. I'm teaching them the steps, but it's their choice to show up. It's their choice that they're taking all of this, all of this goodness in, you know, and they're, they're the ones who, who are working with their mindset and they're the ones that are getting comfortable with who they are. So I'm, I'm just there to lend confidence when needed and count to eight over and over again. (laughs) Only five to eight though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's very true. Maybe sometimes one to four. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I love that. Doing, doing a few heels classes. It's, I always find it's like, best if I went with a friend because I would feel like a little bit nervous but if I went with a friend you can kind of like joke together but I think I think I've done one by myself and I was like oh which is weird because I am a confident person and I danced my whole life but then I put a pressure on myself like you were a dancer so you should be able to do this but I don't know what I'm doing in heels like there's a huge difference yeah and to be honest I think it's more about I always tell my dancers it's not really about the movement like yes if you're doing something completely different (laughs) then you're going to stand out in that group you know learn the steps but (laughs) it has so much to do with the feeling confidence has so much to do with the feeling and whether that's I don't know maybe you washed your face and you took a little bit of an extra time and you know you applied some cream and that made you feel good that day and that's your bit of self-confidence that you're carrying through the day or maybe you washed your hair and you know and and you're like wow like I just feel good or maybe you made yourself a really healthy meal or just anything you know finding finding those little moments of confidence so you can feel good about yourself and then going and trying and doing things that you can be proud of yourself for and then sticking with them so you can see the progress for sure so what do you do to make yourself feel confident are those a few things that you do every day or is there one yeah to bring to bring confidence to myself i'm i'm always exploring confidence because something I realized not too long ago is that I'm, I'm always the person teaching. I'm Mm -hmm. always the person leading. I'm always the person motivating. I'm always the person inspiring. I'm always the person showing people the way, but that's just because I'm, I'm in my world is in my own magic, you know? And what I realized was there wasn't really anywhere in my life that I was putting myself in a position to learn something new or to be taught. And that was a big problem for me. Like that was a big red light for me because I wasn't growing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. I was growing through teaching and I was growing other people's confidence, but I wasn't challenging myself. Um, So a couple of things, a couple of things that I guess I've done, I started guitar lessons Mm. and it's something that I've always wanted to do. 
And I think it's really important for me to do because it teaches me patience. It teaches me um, that you have to practice to be good at something. And I do. I think, I think a lot of us get really down on ourselves and really hard on ourselves. Like if we're not good at something right off the hop, like I've never played guitar in my life. Why the hell do I expect myself that that I would know how to pick up a guitar and (laughs) all of the chords? Like, why would I think that? Why would I put that expectation on myself? It actually sounds so silly, you know? Mm. So for, so for somebody to walk into a dance class who has never been a part of a dance class and never danced in heels and never learned choreography or had the experience to listen to counts and like how that sort of works and moves together, you can't put that expectation on yourself because you've never done it before. A hundred percent. That's a good comparison to guitar. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've added guitar into my life and, and that's been, that's been huge. And also I think just, just listening more has been a big one for me. And actually my husband's helped me with this a lot and he'll probably l- listen back to this and be like, see, Brit, I told you, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you listen to me all the time. So I'm kind of like, do I say this? But no, he has, he's, he's helped me a lot in ways that, you know, when you don't kind of realize the things that you do every day. And um, sometimes I, I jump to conclusions or sometimes I'll, I'll want to have an answer right away. Or sometimes I'll want to fix something. And he's really reminded me to just sort of step back a little bit, listen to what the other person is saying and give them space because there is chance and opportunity for me to learn, right. For me to learn from what they're saying, instead of me just always feeling this responsibility of having to teach, of having to motivate, of having to inspire, I guess. That's a really good point. I have the same problem. I just, immediately say something. I'm like, why did I not just take a breath there? Yeah. And also just, there's so much to be learned from other people and from their experiences. And not that I think it's all about me because it's definitely not all about me. Um, But I think what I've learned is I, I have a lot more development or I experience a lot more development when I listen and when I take in information and, and then sort of learn from it, if, if that makes sense, because I'm always the one giving the information because I'm, I'm in my magic. I'm either teaching dance, I'm either teaching Pilates, but it's important for me to step into somebody else's world and into somebody else's magic and them being an expert and listen and learn. Yeah. That's awesome. Good advice. Yeah, it's it's just, I mean, I never did that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're starting now and you got lots of life to live to practice. <laughs> it's a practice as well. Um, so what's the best hmm, what's the best lesson you've learned since starting your business? I mean, that's definitely a lesson, but maybe maybe confidence through business or however you want to spin that. The best lesson that I've learned from starting my own business, I think it just comes down to being yourself. You have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to. Because first of all, it's really fucking hard to be somebody else. <laughs> and 
you won't be successful at being somebody else. You won't. (laughs) And so being, yeah, being yourself is probably the biggest, what was the question? My biggest piece of advice or my biggest learning? Biggest lesson. Yeah. But you can give a piece of advice too, if you want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think my biggest lesson that I've learned for myself is, is, is just showing up as yourself and who you are. And I, don't underestimate what you're going through because people will relate to you. There are so many people out in the world and just by showing up and we always talk about speaking your truth and I don't want to sound like super cheesy, but I mean, everyone's got a story Mm -hmm. and people relate to others stories and, you know, they find confidence and they look for bits of, of, bits of, of, of other stories that they sort of need to get them to the next step. So they're, you're always borrowing different parts of, of, of other people's experiences. And I think just being yourself is the best way to be. <laughs> and once you, yeah. And once you start to build your confidence through who you are, you just become a little bit more comfortable with yourself. And once you start to become comfortable with yourself, then your confidence builds and it, it, it's just, it really is a chain of, a chain of feelings or a chain of events that, that you get from just being in the same space as yourself, understanding who you are and, and then others will too, you know, people start to like and love you for, for you. Yeah. For sure. I remember when I was, I was still in school for nutrition, I was making an Instagram account and like, obviously you follow all these other wellness people. And I'm like, Oh my God, every photo needs to be like perfect. It needs to be filtered the same way. It all needs to be the same colors, like all this crap. And then once I stopped caring so much about that, I would actually put out quality content because it's like, Oh, the photo is not perfect, but this is what matters. Like I would be so hard on myself at the beginning. And now I'm just like, I'll take a picture. I'll post it. Like, I don't care. Or like, let me have a double chin rolls, all that jazz. People like that. So yeah, Yeah, for sure. And let me tell you something. I, I remember crying so much just because, and this is probably, this is probably high school university. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself. I still do, but I'm working on it. But I remember just crying because I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. You know, I, I, I wanted to have my own thing so bad. I wanted to have, and like, I wasn't really sure what it was at the, at the time. I wanted to have my own dance thing. Like I wanted to teach women movement. I wanted to, I just wanted to do it all. And I didn't know what it was and what was holding me back was watching everybody else doing their own thing and branding themselves. And I didn't know anything about branding when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I had no, I, I had no flipping clue. And what I didn't realize was like for the past couple of years, I've been branding myself <laughs> just from being myself. And you don't realize that you're creating something while you're in it, trying to figure out what you're supposed to be in this world, but that's all part of the process. So when people say it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, you know, or it's about the process getting there. Like that could not be more true. I don't, I run all of my movement classes through Brittany Bree movement. And I brand myself as Brittany Bree movement. People know me as Brittany Bree movement. And like, 
I couldn't tell you when exactly I started that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it it's been it's been many years of of just being myself and teaching and developing and just going through all of the life experiences that I have. I mean, I remember sitting having breakfast with my friend Shannon and I was like, "Hey, what do I call myself? Like what am I?" Mm-hmm. And I remember her saying, like, we were brainstorming, we were at Cora's and we were brainstorming. And she's like, what about the Brittany Brie? And I'm like, is it lame to have my name in it? You know, like, it's not about me. And it's like, but you are your own brand. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, kind of came up with Brittany Brie movement. So that's who I am. And it's, it's just, it's beautiful how it kind of started from nothing, but it's not nothing. It's your life. <laughs> and yeah. then you kind of grow into what you're building and you don't know what's happening at the time. And all of a sudden you have this thing and you're like, when did this become a thing? <laughs> yeah. I totally feel that. Yeah. Like it, you fill up your Pilates classes because you knew someone in high school and that's their mom and then their friend, and then they got pregnant later and now they're in their prenatal. And it's, if you're a good person throughout your life, good people will follow you, I think. Yeah. I think you just kind of attract the energy that you put out there. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. Um, so I ask a few questions to everyone mm-hmm. and there's no right answer. It can be long or short. Um, but what do you think the secret is to health? The secret to health. Mm-hmm. I believe the secret to health and health can be defined different by everybody. So to me, I won't define health, but I do know that the secret to living a healthy life is movement. Yeah. Simple as that. I love that. And do you want to, we'll go off of this question. I heard you talk about this in another podcast episode, but, and I've seen you in your stories, like everything is movement. You're like playing around, putting laundry away, doing squats, moving through life. So is there a reason you named yourself movement rather than like exercise or Pilates? I love that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because movement is movement. <laughs> and as funny as that sounds, but like movement is movement, whether you are doing a lunge or a squat in a Pilates class, or you're doing a lunge or a squat in a CrossFit class with weighted with a weighted barbell on your back or in your front, or whether you're doing a lunge in a dance class, like it doesn't matter sort of where you're doing it, you're moving your body. And I think there's a, I think there's a difference between exercising and moving, Mm -hmm. you know, movement, you can literally do whenever you want, like movement, healthy movement can be in your mind. Healthy movement can be in your words, you know, how we choose to speak to ourselves, how we choose to speak to others. Healthy movement can be in our thoughts. Everything's movement. (laughs) That's literally how I see the world. Yeah. My husband tells me that I need to stay still more, but (laughs) my thoughts move. Everything is, is, is in constant flow. And I think if, if we can keep an open mind and keep, you know, just like that positivity and that happiness kind of flowing and moving, whether you're physically moving or whether you're just open and willing to learn and moving in, in that sense, that's really optimal health for me. Yeah. I love that answer. 
Um, and then what gives you light? Ooh, so many things give me light. <laughs> I'm just going to do a little brain, like so many things give me light. <laughs> yeah. Um, sweating gives me light. Life or light, kind of the same thing. Light, yeah? but yeah, same, same. <laughs> yeah, sweating, um, eating, being with friends, nachos, pizza, chocolate, good conversations, cuddles, kisses. Oh, so many different things. Like rolling on my therapy balls, going to the cottage. I love it. Traveling, meeting new people. I could literally go on just living, you know, living experiences. Give me light. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And then where can people find you if they're looking to move with you in whatever way? (laughs) Of course. So people can find me through my website, uh, brittanybree.com. And I'm also on Instagram, Brittany Bree Movement, and Facebook as well. Just Brittany Bree. <laughs> it's a whole lot of Brittany Bree. <laughs> Is that your last name? I never knew if it was like your middle name or your last name. No, it's interesting. My last name is D'Amico. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Nice. So where did yeah. Brittany Bree come from? Is that your middle name? So Bree is actually my middle name, and Brittany Bree is, I mean, when I was growing up, everyone's name was Brittany. You know, how do you stand out in the crowd if your name's Brittany? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because my name is actually Brittany and my mom is British and she has a British accent. So she, she says it Brittany. And so it's spelled T-T-A-N-Y instead of Brittany, kind of like the American version, like Britney Spears. Mm -hmm. But the way I explain my name to people, I'm like, Hey, what's up? I'm Brittany Brie, Brittany like Spears and Brie like cheese. And they're like, Oh my God, I get it. Okay. I'll remember. (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad I have. <laughs> I wanted my name to be Brittany when I was a kid because everyone had the name and I loved it. <laughs> no, it was such a popular name. I was like, no, this can't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Brittany and Lindsay, like those were the names I named all my dolls. Just like, I just loved, I guess maybe Lindsay Lohan and Brittany Spears might've been the reason, but also just like my babysitter's name was Lindsay. There was Brittany's yeah. everywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but I, I remember that my doll's names were Caitlin and Sarah because they actually were my babysitter's names. <laughs> yeah. And Caitlin was a girl across the street as well. So I was like, Oh, I like her. This is, this is now my baby's name. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so cute. Oh my God. Well, thank you for that. There's lots of good words of wisdom and I'm yeah, sure man. you inspired people to move. That was fun. Honestly, it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's challenging to talk about yourself. I don't know if you find this, but it's, it's so good for you because it gives you so much clarity around like what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. It does. Yeah. There's so much clarity around starting to talk about yourself and understanding yourself. And it's, it's, um, yeah, like I almost feel, I feel like I've built my confidence after, after speaking to you for sure. Nice. I'm glad that it helped. 